We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 71 with Ann Benninghoff. In this episode, Ann and I are going to talk about co-teaching, how to set that up properly, and what kinds of things you need to have in place to make that happen. This is a really neat uh, interview for me because I've seen co-teaching work well and I've seen it work not so well, and when it works well, it is amazing, and hopefully Anne is going to give you some good information on that. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Simple School Sites. Go to jethrojones.com slash simple school sites to sign up for when the product releases. With the changes in E-rate funding and the exorbitant prices that companies used to charge for, um, for websites, Simple School Sites makes it easy and simple to have an awesome website that is integrated with social media and I hope you'll check it out at jethrojones.com slash simple school sites. Also, if you wouldn't mind going to the show notes for this webs- for this episode today and telling me what one thing you're struggling with the most in your job right now so that I can find guests and other ways to help you be more effective in your job. All right, Anne, welcome to uh, um, the Transformative Principle podcast. I'm excited to have you today. We're going to be talking about um, co-teaching. Can you start by explaining what co-teaching is for those who who may not know what that is? Sure. Well, good morning. Um, My definition of co-teaching has three components. First, two or more adults. And I use the word adult instead of the word teacher because sometimes we co-teach with people who don't necessarily have the word teacher in their job title. So we might co-teach with a speech-language pathologist, 
um, co-teach with a school psychologist or a librarian, really anyone who is available to co-teach. Um, second part of my definition is simultaneously instructing. So what I'm not talking about is when one teacher is standing in the front of the room and the other teacher is sitting in the back of the room waiting, 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 waiting until the teacher finishes a lecture and then gets up and starts helping students out. Um, and then the third part is that this has to be in a coordinated fashion. In other words, the specialist or that second adult doesn't just show up in the classroom and say, hey, I'm here, what are we teaching today? But uh, instead, that there's some planning up front involved so that when they are in the room, especially if they're not there full-time, that they are there and being really fully utilized and that everything that the two teachers are doing has been determined with very clear intentions and purposes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an overview definition, and then from there it can go in lots of directions. Okay, so um, you talked about two adults. Um, well, before we go any further, I should probably have you state your uh, why it is that I'm talking to you about co-teaching <laughs> and talk a little bit about your background before we get too far down so people understand that, that you're legit. <laughs> well, okay, that's great. Um <laughs> So um, my background is as a special education teacher. I started teaching in, oh my gosh, 81. So I've been in the field for quite a while. Um, and uh, as a special ed teacher, began to realize I was working in self-contained settings and realized the importance of inclusive classrooms. So began to work my way into the inclusion field really when it was pretty darn new. Um, And so I wrote my first book, oh gosh, 20-some years ago, Ideas for Inclusion, The Classroom Teacher's Guide. And then from then on, started getting some requests to help other schools and districts work with inclusive practices. And so over the years, uh, my, my role has changed in multiple ways. But the best news is that I still teach part-time. I have a relationship with a district locally where I live in Colorado that has me come in and I co-teach with different teachers in that particular school or district so that I'm still in the classroom part-time being able to try out new ideas and experience co-teaching for myself regularly. And then I work with school districts all around the country on co-teaching practices and inclusive practices, um, how to do specially designed instruction, differentiation, et cetera. And so I work all around the the country and and do some international work as well on co-teaching. I have a book that's called Co-Teaching That Works, uh, Structures and Strategies for Maximizing Student Learning, as well as several other books, videos, publications, blog posts, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I've developed expertise through my own co-teaching work, but then also through working with districts all around the country and going in and doing some demos and observing and talking and problem solving with teachers. And so I I have a good sense of what's happening all around the country with this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And your um, website ideasforeducators.com is a wealth of knowledge. There are tons of um, resources there, free resources as well. Um, as yes. uh, access to your your books as well. Yes, well, thank you. I'm glad that you find, found it helpful. I think teachers really like the blog on it because I try to write up about every one or two weeks a new teaching strategy that we've actually used in co-taught classrooms. And sometimes they're technology-based, 
Um, I'm a huge fan of technology and have really tried to stay on the cutting edge there. And then lots of just very simple strategies that any teacher could use. So I'm glad that you found it helpful. Yeah. Um, one thing that I definitely want to highlight is your downloadables section of your website uh-huh. as well, which has some Good. really um, easy to understand um, uh, different resources. One um, that I thought was really good for um, for our discussion today that I'm sure we'll get into later is the responsibility checklist for collaborative teaching yeah. responsibilities and who's responsible for different things in the classroom and um, taking that kind of, of planning and, and making that decision early on I think is really valuable and was definitely a benefit um, to me as I was as I was researching this co-teaching um, to be able to look at things in a in a little bit different way and be prepared for some of the some of the challenges that I may face that I'm not I wasn't even sure I would face yet so anyway mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. you got some great stuff good there. good well the roles and responsibilities checklist is meant to be very flexible because different um, teams depending upon who are partnering together are going to decide roles and responsibilities differently. So there isn't always a a right answer to each of those questions. And um, so as an example, in my Co-Teaching That Works book, I have a chapter on co-teaching with a special ed teacher, a chapter on co-teaching with an ELL teacher, a chapter on co-teaching with an occupational therapist, that kind of thing. And in each of those cases, that roles and responsibilities checklist would be designed slightly differently because people bring different skill sets to the situation as well as different time factors and availability. And so it's meant to be a very flexible tool, and we often encourage um, teams to use the first one that's on the website as a starting point and then to design one that begins to look at the little roles and responsibilities, things like who makes copies, who decorates the bulletin board, Mm -hmm. who has to take attendance, because often it's those little things that can become problematic over time if they're not discussed. Sometimes people can start to build some resentments about always having to do a certain task and that it's a not a shared task or something. Just like living with anyone in your home, if you're not occasionally talking about some of those roles and responsibilities or chores, then those can begin to build some resentments that eat away at the relationship. So we find that a very helpful tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, you've talked a couple times about um, the different pairings of adults in the classroom. Um, Could could this work with a teacher and a paraprofessional, or should it be two certified teachers as the ideal? Well, the ideal is going to be two certified teachers, However, I'm a big believer that we want to more fully utilize paraprofessionals or paraeducators in the classroom, um, and often we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so while many school districts are hesitant, understandably, to call it co-teaching when they're using a paraeducator in that role because of legal implications, that doesn't mean that we can't take the same process and approach in terms of talking about what are the talents and strengths that they bring to the classroom? How can we more fully utilize those? What are the roles and responsibilities? All of those same process pieces that we might do with a teacher, we could do with a paraeducator as well. 
so that we're really taking full advantage of having them in a room. Most paraeducators are a little bit underutilized. I don't mean that they're not busy, but I think there's a difference between busy and being fully utilized in terms of talent and skills that they bring to a classroom. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. And um, one one of the things that is is frustrating is when we have someone who is you know, a paraprofessional and they, um, they spend a lot of time just waiting and sitting around and Mm -hmm. watching the teacher Mm -hmm. teach. And then, and then they jump in when it's time for independent work. And, and sometimes that that's a great situation. And other times that's a really big waste of time. And so finding a balance of, of what responsibility to give them and, and what, uh, what ways to involve them when the teacher is, is lecturing is I, I think a, a thing that we can do to help them um, be more effective in the classroom with our students. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, my downloadables page on my website. One of the tools that's on there is a tool that I call Teacher A, Teacher B. Yep. And it's um, simply a brainstormed list of 30 different things that the second adult in the room can be doing if the first adult is kind of lecturing or leading a mini lesson. So there are some obvious things like jumping in and clarifying or asking a question, um, restating something, uh, writing on the board while the teacher's talking, kind of showing good note-taking skills, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But there are some other ideas that are new for teachers when they look at that list and they think, oh, that's something that could be done. And most of the things on that list are tasks that a paraeducator could be doing. There are a couple that perhaps would be reserved for someone with a certified license, but most of them are things paraeducators could do. Um, Simple things like pulling up a visual on the Internet, um, some kind of an image that might support the, the discussion that's going on in class. Or I love a website called VisuWords, visuwords.com, which is an online graphical dictionary. I particularly like it for its thesaurus use. And so um, we encourage paras that if there's a word, perhaps, that might be difficult for students, that they could pop onto the Internet, pull up this site, type the word in, and then project it for the students to see all the synonyms Mm -hmm. that pop up for that word. And in that way, they're supporting instruction. And that doesn't require a certified, you know, person to have those kinds of tasks or skills that they could be doing to really support instruction while one teacher is maybe lecturing. Yeah. So that tool might be very helpful uh, for anyone that's looking to get that discussion going about how, no matter who the second person is, whether it's a teacher, a specialist, a, a paraeducator, what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. So as we as we decide that we do want to do some co-teaching in our school, um, how do we do we need to think about um, pairing different teachers together? Um, how do we figure out what two teachers can work best together and and what kinds of things should we avoid when trying to make those pairings? Um, sure. Well, I think first step, even before we start pairing people, is to try to get a common knowledge base so that everybody has a a sense of what is co-teaching all about. Um, Some teachers 
have had some experience somewhere in their lives, uh, whether it's direct or in watching videos or hearing friends talk about co-teaching, that may have a lot of misperceptions built in. Mm -hmm. They may picture co-teaching as having a specialist in the room who's acting like an aide or something along those lines. So I think developing a common knowledge base with the whole faculty about this is what co-teaching looks like, um, this is what it entails now, who might be interested in trying it as our pilot or something. Um, and you can do that common knowledge base through a book study. Uh, a lot of districts use my Co-Teaching Networks book, but also you can do it through just watching some video clips. I have a handful of video clips on my YouTube channel, which is just Ann Benninghoff, and there are other videos out there as well that you can um, pursue. And also uh, the Bureau of Education and Research, BER.org, they have a couple of co-teaching products, uh, video products. And I find that just even watching a five-minute video clip, um, I have one on my website called The Duet Model. I think just even watching that and having some common discussion about what that looks like, is this what you thought co-teaching would look like, is this what you want it to look like, um, that can be a great starting place. And then once everybody has that common knowledge base, we do find that whenever possible, asking people uh, to volunteer or to choose their partners, giving them some choice, can make a big difference. Because having a good relationship with someone to start with usually helps. It's not always possible for teachers to choose. Uh, between schedules and meeting kids' needs, we may actually have to assign certain people to co-teach. But I think especially in a pilot, as you're just getting started, you want it to go well, you want to be able to have some really positive results. It helps when we have people who want to kick it off for us. The other thing I always look for is uh, people with flexible personalities. Uh -huh. If there's one thing above all else that co-teachers need, it is flexibility. And so if we have teachers who naturally tend to be a little more hyper-structured or um, uh, control enthusiasts, you know, that they have to control every little thing, um, that that's going to be a challenge for them. I'm not saying they can't co-teach, but it's definitely going to be more of a challenge. Whereas when you have someone who's very flexible by nature, they're going to have a much easier time with co-teaching. Yeah, I I think there's some real value in that flexibility. Um, what uh, what are the biggest challenges, um, just personality-wise? You mentioned um, someone who's rigid and and likes to be in control as being a challenge. What are some of the other challenges, as far as the adults go, that make um, co-teaching difficult to implement? In terms of the, the relationship piece primarily, is that what you're looking at? Yeah, or something else that I'm not thinking of. What what roadblocks are there that we need to be aware of before we go down the path? Sure. Well, um, in terms of the relationship piece, it's helpful if both teachers have common philosophies about teaching. You know, if you have a teacher who is perhaps um, likes a very quiet classroom and students to be um, not talking and listening all the time and not very interactive, and you pair that with someone who uh, likes a rowdy classroom and lots of hands-on and movement. Um, so different teaching philosophies in those ways or teaching practices can cause some challenge. Or different behavior management philosophies, perhaps someone who is um, very... Um, 
conscious of using lots of positive, specific feedback and reinforcement and relationship development and pair them with someone who may be kind of old school and um, very um, reactive instead of proactive in their behavior management, et cetera, you're going to have some problems there. So trying, again, to make matches or to have teachers talk about their philosophies of teaching so that we have good matches, that's going to help a lot. Probably the biggest challenge, though, that districts face, and if they do not deal with it up front, their co-teaching will never be uh, successful, and that is finding common planning time, Mm -hmm. making sure that the two people have time to plan on a regular basis so that they're working together to design the best instruction, talking about how it's going with students in their class, reflecting on their co-teaching practices to always look for ways to improve. If there's no co-planning time, it's just not going to be effective. And much of the time, it's just a waste. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't even bother if you can't find common planning time. So that's probably the biggest challenge right up front is for administrators to figure out how they're going to structure it in such a way that those specialists will have planning time. And then the expectation that the two people actually use that planning time together to talk about co-teaching. I have had districts where I've been supporting as a coach and consultant where the administrator went to the, the difficult task of arranging common planning blocks, but then the teachers don't use them. They find other things they have to do, uh, you know, things crop up, meetings, other planning, and they don't even utilize the time. So there has to be clear expectations about why we're doing this, what we expect administratively with teachers, and, uh, and that type of thing. Yeah, that is very valuable to be sure. What what do you do if um, if you think you've got these things in place and then it it comes down to it and and the teachers aren't using the planning time, they turn out to have very different philosophies. You made a bad choice as the administrator in putting these two teachers together. Um, how do you how do you work through some of those issues or is it sometimes better to just say, let's cancel this and, and try with somebody else? What What's the right thing to do there? I try to avoid divorce whenever possible <laughs> um, because I think it sends a bad message if we have to divorce a team. I won't say that that's never happened. We have seen that a need for that occasionally, but it sends a message that... Um, if you got if the two teachers just can't work it out, well, okay, we're, we're going to let it go. Rather than saying instead, we know that your professionals will help you develop the skills you need to work through conflict, to have courageous conversations with each other, um, to to for the sake of your students to work find a way to work together effectively. And um, so sometimes it's that teachers are just missing those skills for having difficult conversations. I know when I was in my undergrad program, there was never any discussion or training for us about how to have a difficult conversation, or I call them courageous conversations. And there are there are specific skills that are involved. And most teachers um, have what I call... Um, Uh, conflict avoidance syndrome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think most educators don't like conflict, and so they avoid having these difficult conversations, sometimes at huge cost to kids. 
So if they're avoiding it because they don't know how to handle those conversations, they're uncomfortable, then we can use instructional coaches or the administrators coaching teachers and how do we have those conversations? What are the specific steps in a problem-solving process? What are the tools you can use? Again, if the time is there for planning and the expectation is clear that we expect you to plan, then uh, having a coach or an administrator sit in on some of those planning sessions to perhaps facilitate some of that conversation, those are all ways that we can try to make it so that they can improve as they go along throughout the year. Yeah, um, you, you've mentioned having a coach a couple of times. I, I really think that coaching is valuable for for any teacher um, but especially for co-teaching teachers, having a coach is, is is very valuable. I mentioned to you before we started recording that that I was a coach for some co-teachers, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. But simply being mm-hmm. another voice to help with the planning, to help with um, reflecting, and to give feedback about how things were going was was really valuable. Um, talk about the importance of a coach in in co-teaching especially if people are all in a building new to co-teaching, um, somebody is going to probably have to take the reins and try to develop some expertise and say, well, let's look at this and, and let me give you some advice or I've read this or I've seen this or something so that we have somebody who can help guide. Um, and that can be any of the instructional coaches that might work in a district or it could be someone who has come from another district with some co-teaching experience um, or an administrator, but one person that can perhaps be that extra set of eyes to sit back and observe and then try to help people reflect. Um, We find it's very helpful for teams to go and observe co-teaching in other districts whenever possible, just to see what it looks like somewhere else and talk with other teachers. So I always uh, really strongly encourage visitations even if you don't see the ideal co-teaching team, just sitting back and observing others doing it can help you reflect on your own practices. We also have, um, I've developed a couple of reflective tools that teams can sit down and talk through, maybe about six weeks after they've started co-teaching, sit down and let's go through this together. And it helps at times to have a coach of some kind there just to keep the conversation on track, Mm -hmm. especially if the team is not doing well together, if there are some obstacles, having someone who has good facilitation skills that can help talk them through things and set goals, mini action plans for the next steps and the next steps. Um, So all of those things can be really helpful. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. 
That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.